Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Seeking Play podcast. I'm Dr. Jane Heston. My name is Ronan Healy. And just a reminder for our listeners at home that our interviews are available to watch on YouTube and Spotify as some of our guests throughout the season built out some of their answers using Lego. In today's episode, we were joined by the fantastic Savannah Vise. Savannah is a Helsinki-based regenerative designer, researcher with a background in graphic design and place-based community engagement. Savannah also has a master's degree in creative sustainability. She uses collaborative and visual approaches to explore and communicate complex topics in accessible and digestible ways. Touching on artistic, academic and activist modes, her work centers on the importance of playfulness, joy and emotionally supportive creative practice in her engagement with eco-social sustainability. Having looked back and rewatched Savannah's interview, we identified a number of quotes that we really enjoyed that we would like to share with our listeners today. The playbook comes from a place of my own eco-anxiety. I hope it provides a glimpse of hopefulness and playfulness in an otherwise distressing space. Play embeds hopefulness and joy, which is really important when working towards a more socially and ecologically just future. Play is about finding opportunities to be curious, which can exist in work, leisure, and how we navigate the world. So in season two, we were asked, um by uh, one of our guests, um, who stood out from season one? And uh, we didn't answer at the same time. We counted to three and then said the person's name out loud. And it was Savannah. And um, we, we, we put a gestures hat for anyone who's watching this. We, we were thinking about, do we put a, a king or queen's hat on Savannah? But we thought in the nature and spirit of the podcast, uh, we put a, a jester's hat. Uh, and that is in no way uh, disrespectful to Savannah. It is the utmost respect you can get uh, at Seeking Play to get the gestures, <laughs> the gestures hat on. Um, and it really was when we finished uh, talking with Savannah, we were left with a sense of hope mm -hmm. for the youth and for the future uh, of the ecology of this planet. Um, Savannah, in a way, became a, an archetype or a, a a persona of the the type of playful, uh, creative, articulate um, change maker that that we would like to um, see in the world. Um, so yeah, Savannah Vice, um, take a bow because uh, you you definitely impressed us, and uh, we're hoping and we know uh, your the listeners will be uh, equally as impressed. So for now, we hope you enjoy this episode. Enjoy. Take, take care. care. Bye Thank bye. Bye bye. I drop something. <laughs> Savannah Vise, you are very welcome. Thank you for joining us today on the Seeking Play podcast. Myself and Ronan are very excited to have a great conversation with you today about your career. And I'm sure listeners um, will be very excited to hear all about your current work and your research. So I am going to kick off first and I am going to take you right back. Savannah. I am going to ask you to share with our listeners, what were you like as a kid? Yeah, um, I mean, thanks for having me, first of all. But um, yeah, as a kid, um, 
I find it funny in in the context of play I was quite a quiet kid really uh, a very kind of studious and a little bit reserved um, always very creative and curious so I think that's probably where my interest in play comes from um, I was never really one for PE or sports play but I preferred kind of just like imaginative imaginative play um, just things that are hands-on creative a bit experimental uh, I had two siblings as well so there was a lot of play and experiment um, there we used to make a lot of stuff together um, and I think yeah that's probably where where my love of play stems from um, I also grew up in a very rural space so um, access to nature and yeah the environment just being around me as well that was also a big part of my childhood um, and yeah a big space for play as well there I think so Savannah, like that painted a lovely picture of you and your siblings out there, you know, running riot um, <laughs> in nature, and and like in the in the act of play with your with your siblings or and friends, is there any bumps, bruises, breaks, scars, or just dangerous adventures that you think has contributed, even in a little way, to your identity as an adult? Um, it's tricky. I'm not sure. I had a very kind of sheltered childhood, <laughs> so maybe not so many. Um, bumps and breaks and because I was quite a careful child um, and maybe that also kept me away from that but I think more just in general being exposed to a lot of creativity around um, my family and kind of extended family and and through travel and holidays and playing with um, yeah my, my siblings I think that's probably where where it led to um, but yeah, no, no kind of serious bumps or breaks. I don't know if I've ever broken a bone, actually. So it's <laughs> not much interesting. Yeah, good, good child. Good, good kid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So with regards, you know, when, we, when we're looking at playfulness now as an adult, what would adult playfulness mean to you, Savannah? So I think there's a lot of stigma around being playful as an adult. And I think often in the space of play research it, it so frequently gets drawn back to being a kid and being a child and and that childhood sense of playfulness as if it only exists within that space um, and so for me I think it's expanding that definition of play to be just more about joyfulness and, and things that are fun and, and bring us joy um, in my visual design work I think it's very there's a very clear space to be playful you know it's with color and illustration and that's very easy and tangible um, it can be quite kind of whimsical in that space but otherwise in day-to-day -day life I think it's more about uh, kind of finding opportunities to be curious and experimental I think that that is play for me as an adult and that can exist in in work but also in leisure and, and just about how we kind of navigate the world. I love the fact you just called out that it, it is a stigma mm. uh, part of, of, of our uh, raison d'etre, our reason to set this uh, podcast up is just to, if you say it enough times, you can be a playful adult, mm -hmm. it kind of, you know, pushes that little stigma aside. Mm -hmm. um, so you chose two quotes where you kind of offer us, uh, our, our people we interview uh, two quotes. I'm going to read them out. These are playful quotes and there's probably around 10, 15 of them and you chose you chose Alan Watts as number one. I'm going to say, you ask the question, why did it mean something to you? So, Alan Watts, this is the secret of life, to be completely engaged in what you are doing in the here and now. And instead of calling it work, realize it is play. So why did that one resonate with you? 
I think because I've I've chosen to go down a career path that is very creative and playful and what drew me to that is because it just means that I get to have fun when I'm working um, and I think everything is just a bit easier when it's play it's it is no longer work but it's exciting and stimulating and it, it just makes everything that much more richer yeah and, and kind of drawing that distinction away from work and that play can be everywhere and everything um, is yeah is really important I like that play can be everywhere and everything mm-hmm. great that's <laughs> we're gonna put you down as a quote here next. <laughs> So Albert Einstein, Albert always gets in there. Yeah. Mm. He's uh, said quite a few good things, as, as did Alan, in mm-hmm. fairness. Uh, play is the highest form of research. Yeah, I think this is this just kind of reached out to me because I, I have been exploring play within the research space. Um, and I think as a designer as well, design is so often about research and, and play is an opportunity to be curious and experiment. Um, and it takes our imagination and that in turn kind of takes us to all sorts of different places that may be rational thinking, structured thinking, being incredibly strategic and following set processes can't. So I think, yeah, play opens up these spaces that that other ways of inquiry maybe don't. And uh, that's a nice segue into my next question in that, like, how do you balance taking your work seriously whilst also taking it not too seriously? This is definitely a hard one and um, something I think I probably don't always do particularly well, but I think because a lot of my interests in my work focuses on this space of eco-social sustainability. These are really kind of important and serious topics and play therefore acts as the tool to try and balance that seriousness with something which is a bit more um, joyful and kind of enables me to work with those topics long term. Um, And I think play also it it kind of allows these opportunities to find variety and have conversations and and by harnessing those small opportunities for playfulness wherever you can it it allows you to deal with serious subjects uh, in a way that isn't too kind of overwhelming and overbearing yeah great okay fantastic i would like to ask you about when you were starting off at the start of your career so when you look back at the very beginning of your career, what advice would you give to your younger self, either about being more serious or more playful in the way that you thought or in the way you thought, in the way that you interacted with others? So I think a lot of it, it again, goes back to what we were talking about, about play being the stigma and the idea that once you kind of get through childhood, play is no longer something that can exist in these different aspects of your life. So I think realizing, first of all, that that play is a valid way of working, not because it's such an integral part of being creative, but it it also just opens up so many different avenues of exploration and interaction. And that in itself is important. And then maybe from my more recent recent explorations of play I think it's it's really important to understand that play is different for every person um so your version of play might be somebody else's complete worst nightmare and and that's really in terms of collaborative design and participatory design approaches I think that's really important to understand that we have these different ways of being playful and having fun um and to make sure to, to balance that and not just assume everybody's is the same. And, and Savannah, we're going to touch on your playbook later, but we're, we're interested as well as um, what are you currently doing and how did you get into that field of, of research and, and work? Yeah, so I'm currently in a kind of transitional space. Um, I, I graduated from my master's degree back in December and, and now I'm exploring where I can use both uh, design uh, research approaches and, and design practice alongside research in eco-social sustainability and kind of combine those areas. Um, and I think my interest in those 
two areas started to come together back in my bachelor's degree um, where I was already very engaged in the climate crisis, um, but I wanted to understand what the role of, of more kind of creative practice can play um, in addressing that. And I saw traditional design um, as I'd experienced it up until that point as, as a lot about storytelling and, and how we kind of create narratives, whether that's through, you know, service design approaches or through um, much more traditional formats like um, illustration. And so I was interested in how the climate crisis was therefore kind of communicated through media and news and fiction and the fact that that's very um, engaging and immersive way of kind of exploring those complex topics. Um, and I think that that opened up doors to understanding what playfulness could be within those storytelling spaces. Very good. So how how would you say that your career has evolved then over time, Savannah? In my bachelor's, I, I had that big focus on um, the climate crisis and, yeah, as I said, kind of storytelling and, and narratives um, and immersive design in that space. And, and I, as I moved from that, I uh, worked for a few years in a community engagement studio in London. Um, so I was working with communities on place-based participatory design projects, um, understanding how local people could have influence and impact in their area and you know, actively contribute to um, positive change. And for me, this kind of connected the dots between social and environmental sustainability and made me realize the importance of intersectionality in these spaces um, and how we can't just address social or ecological issues separately, but they need to be um, done in conjunction in a, in a very kind of systemic way. Um, and through this job, I also saw a different application of play as I'd maybe understood it beforehand. And it was a key element of engagement and how we worked with people in these communities. It, you know, helped with facilitation, but it also helped with building relationships, you know, whether through visual design, but also in how we were designing workshops and conversations and, and making sure that processes were as truly participatory and collaborative as possible. Um, and I think that demonstrated for me how play can be used as a tool for good design in lots of different ways, rather than just this kind of initial storytelling narrative element that I'd become interested in. Mm, great. That's really and and our, uh, done our demographic analysis, and apparently five-year-olds are the, the largest uh, cohort to, to listen to this podcast. This is all life. <laughs> this is all playful nonsense. Can you explain your job, current job, to a five-year-old? What would you say to them? Yeah, well, I have I have trouble explaining my job to adults as well. So <laughs> I think we all I think we everyone does. Yeah, even to myself, I'm not really sure. So um I've said that I work with people, I work with other people where we use art, play, and being curious uh, to find ways to look after nature and to look after each other so that the world is the best that it can be in the future. Perfect. I like it. I might use that for our six-year-old. <laughs> Or my, my parents who always, who always ask parents them. parents is a good one yeah that's always a tricky tricky explanation do yeah. do you play with lego <laughs> what do you do <laughs> even this morning we finished a work, workshop on for our friday and uh we created a little slideshow for them and uh about two minutes and we we like to bring our our two-year-old not so involved in in, in what's what we're doing but uh, this morning over breakfast, we said, oh, honey, you know, here's a little video. It's two minutes, 15 seconds in. She was like, oh, OK, that's fine. I'm done. Like there's adults immersed in, in <laughs> yeah. systems thinking and the highly creative environment, quite unique with our background. 10, 15 seconds. Yeah, she, that's the limit. Yeah, that's something Lego-ish. That's what you do. That's fine. <laughs> the five-year-olds and six-year-olds don't really care. Yeah, 
So I think we've obviously touched on it um, uh, earlier on with regard to your eco playbook. So we're going to really delve into trying to understand more about your eco playbook. So my first question would be, obviously for your master's thesis, you did produce the Environmental Citizens Playbook, a co-design inquiry into the playful potential of environmental action. So my question would be, Savannah, were you always interested in environmental action and play before starting your master's program? Or was this something that emerged throughout your studies? And it's a double barrel question. And the second part would be, what did you enjoy most about researching and creating this playbook? So again, as maybe we've already touched on a little bit, I've I've had a long-term engagement with um, the climate crisis specifically. Um, I was very lucky enough to travel a lot as a kid. And I think that built a really strong connection to the environment um, and looking after nature around us and, and the different um, more than humans that we you know, share this um, world with. and that definitely led into the topics I explored in my bachelor's and then through that obviously started working in community engagement in in London and I think those and then through that community engagement role I realized that I would like to apply a lot of this thinking and um, understanding of participatory approaches um, climate and environment and more systemic understandings of sustainability um, in a creative way and that's what led me to my master's degree. And um, I think a lot of my master's degree is in creative sustainability. So um, a lot of the topics that we were covering in different courses were very intense and overwhelming, um, often kind of depressing and debilitating at times. And that for me stirred up a lot of eco-anxiety, which I think I'd struggled with anyway, but this this really kind of centered that in, in what I was spending most of my time looking at. And so, the thesis opportunity for me was a chance to maybe try and rebalance that um, experience a little bit and understand how we can engage with these topics in ways which are more kind of uh, okay for our well-being, not beneficial for our well-being. I don't think it can be, but but would yeah find kind of roots to engaging with these topics in a way that wasn't completely distressing and overwhelming. It definitely came from a place to balance my eco-anxiety and then also find a way to explore the role of play for eco-social change more broadly. Um, And I think to the second part of your question, I think that's probably what I enjoyed the most is that it did give me this really clear space to be a bit more playful and joyful in talking about these really serious topics. Uh, Whereas otherwise a lot of it a lot of the stuff that I was doing was just kind of focused on the serious side of it. And so it gave more of a kind of space for escape while still exploring the topics in a very detailed and thorough way. Mm-hmm. And it, it, when, when we read it together, it is a very uh, impressive uh, thesis. Thank I hope you. Very highly, whoever the, <laughs> the corrector of that is. Um, very playful, very visual. We loved every element of it. So that's what we thought we got to get Savannah uh, on the, the podcast. Um, and an important thing that you you put in as part of your um, thesis is the distinction between play and playfulness. Mm-hmm. We think that's a very important distinction, but like, can you explain the difference or your your view of the, the, the difference between the two? Yeah, so it's, it's a big part of some of the background research um, that I did around the thesis. And there's a lot of definitions throughout the history of play research, which tries to distinguish between these spaces of, of playfulness, play, and then also games as a kind of third subsection of that. Um, and I think 
games, for example, is, is maybe what a lot of people think of when we think of play, um, but they often stick to these very kind of rule bound and structured ways of being playful. So they have these kind of boundaries uh, within which you can't necessarily step out of um, and often are is using kind of playful elements, but towards a specific goal or type of interaction. And play, on the other hand, doesn't need to fit into those rules. It can be much more kind of free and open and uncontrolled, but you might still categorize play itself as an activity. So, you know, you are playing, you're engaging within the activity of play. Um, so then playfulness to me, and again, there, there are multiple definitions of this. So this is just kind of my where I've settled. But um, playfulness to me is kind of a further step removed from that. So it finds play in lots of different levels and activities and behaviors and actions. And it doesn't need to exist within that dedicated play space. Um, so I think Seacart says in his book, Play Matters, he describes playfulness as the attitude rather than the activity itself. Um, and as a way of engaging with the world. So that I think is an important distinction for me. And I think it's important because it reframes play as something that can exist anywhere for anyone, anytime. It doesn't need to exist in a specific space or in a certain type of activity. Um, so then we can focus instead on embodying more of a playful attitude to our interaction yeah, rather than focusing on how it can be used as a means to an end, for example. But play is often framed, as we said, for something for children. So I think this expanded definition might help people to understand how it can be in our lives as adults as well, that we don't have to just go out and find time to play, but play can be, you know, in all these different spaces. Yeah. And then uh, that's why we were super really impressed at that. Like right at the beginning, you, you drew that distinction and it sets the tone. If people don't fully understand that, then um, if you're if you're new to the concept of play and playfulness, like you said, it's games and kids mm -hmm. and important um to to really call out that playing with concepts is what adults do all the time so yeah. you know it's it's oftentimes just um pinning it down to to, to actually speak it and say it and people go mm -hmm. oh i do play with concepts exactly uh, yeah i would play with objects and those objects would make me think mm -hmm. me think uh and then i'm playing with thoughts as i move so you we're internalizing mm -hmm. oftentimes what we we externalize as kids um even even internal chatter yeah. when you see our little little boy particularly two-year-old just kind of chattering but we just internalize that chatter when we get older so we, we we do a lot of the we still continue doing a lot of the things we did as kids we just kind of i'm, I'm using the head too much i'm getting very cognitive we're embodied it's the whole <laughs> we have our whole body in play yeah definitely so Savannah, I am going to read the opening lines of your thesis, and then I am going to ask you some questions. Wicked sustainability problems are distressing and overwhelming. Where social, environmental, and political sustainability movements are growing, so is the concern around our individual and collective well-being as we navigate the complexity of these issues. Terms like eco-anxiety and climate burnout have been embedded in the lexicon of environmental action, highlighting the debilitating after effects of engaging with sustainability issues. Yet the imperative to stay engaged remains, and so we must find new sensitive ways of addressing these critical topics. For this engagement to be sustainable in its own right, it must therefore become sustainable from a social, emotional and experiential perspective. So Savannah, from your research, where do you think play and playfulness can contribute to environmental action? Yeah, so I guess that's kind of where I 
focused a lot of the research and, and it ended up um, heading, but it was definitely through not only the research itself, but also the experience of kind of going through that process with different participants that that highlighted two key um, places where play and playfulness can contribute in um, in these big topics. Um, and so one in how it can kind of actively help us to be more creative, how it helps to be more innovative, um, you know, explore these new solutions um, and, and very kind of production oriented. And then the second part is is how it can contribute to us our kind of individual and collective well-being so how it can support us um, again with with these really complicated issues and and emotions like eco-anxiety how it can kind of help to combat that and I think play has this wonderful capacity to create calm and put people at ease um, it also finds space for distraction escapism imagination and all of these things have a kind of healing ability that help us to engage with these really complex issues um, in a way that isn't completely focused on being fear-based or destructive um, or kind of fatalistic as well and so it embeds this hopefulness and joy in it and I think that's really important element of working towards um, more socially just, ecologically just futures in that we need to have an element of hopefulness there. Um, and that helps us to combat things like eco-anxiety, not in their totality, of course, but I think it can definitely help to rebalance some of those feelings and in turn enable us to engage in much more personally sustainable long-term ways um, so that we don't get completely burned out by the overwhelm that that are these huge complex wicked problems um, and the second side of course is is that it can help us to be more creative and innovative um, and this is something that's already been explored a lot in play research um, especially through practices like serious play and gamification uh, they employ game or play elements to work towards this outcome or goal or just facilitate the creative process itself and so I think that is an important element of play but for me the conclusion I came to was that we should focus more on the way that play can contribute to well-being both individually and collectively and that should kind of be the primary value of that if we're just using play to be a means to production sometimes it can undervalue the core reason for playing itself which is you know to have fun um and so actually, yeah, for me, it, it was kind of that production can maybe be a byproduct of play um, for eco-social change. And then the primary goal itself is more just about building resilience, building well-being um, and kind of building that more healing relationship with those topics. Yeah, great answer. And yeah, I think fantastic. it speaks to conversations we have with clients as well. It's probably the consideration is, is you know, it's a it's a paradox, essentially serious and play. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not totally distinct from one another. You can oftentimes when we're talking to clients, they probably have realized that they're over-indexed on, on taking uh, everything in the workplace serious. And that may have uh, been imbued in the culture. And then in terms of risk-taking uh, people, you know, just talking about mistakes. Um, so introducing a little bit of uh, more playfulness and creativity and, and imagination to imagine a possibility of things mm -hmm. changing um, is, is where this, uh, you're trying to Kind of balance this paradox as mm -hmm. much as you can um, and i really liked you you mentioned a variety of things like gamification and uh, um, serious play again you made another distinction which we thought was really impressive and important situated play design mm -hmm. and how it differs from gamification so can you explain that 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so situated play design is a methodology, uh, design research methodology, um, which was co-developed by my thesis advisor, uh, Farhan Altariba Bertrand. Um, and it's a collaborative research approach that looks for design, uh, looks to design both with and for playfulness in our everyday lives. So the methodology focuses on finding existing instances of play within the research space that we're interested in. Um, these become known as play potentials. Uh, and then it looks to leverage and enhance these kind of instances of playfulness um, so that we can find it more actively um, and embed it more into our everyday. Um, in terms of distinguishing it from gamification, I think there, there may be two key differences. I'm, I'm sure um, Farhan would explain that there are more, but yeah, I can talk through two. So uh, one is that, again, with the distinction between games and play, gamification uh, focuses on using game elements applied to certain contexts and particularly often problem spaces. So using game as a format to explore certain problems uh, and, and reach conclusions. Whereas SPD, Situated Play Design, it has a much broader and more open understanding of play um, and wants to find these more nuanced examples of play situated within our everyday lives. And so it has this kind of open-ended uh, freeform recognition of play that isn't just limited to a game context. And then maybe another distinction is that gamification approaches add gamefulness into an otherwise non-game environment often. Not always, but often. Um, whereas SBD focuses on supporting and enhancing pre-existing playfulness. So it looks for play that is already there and tries to find a way to enhance it rather than injecting it into a space that maybe isn't already playful. Mm -hmm. I, I think, again, that's an important uh, distinction when we, we wanted you to clarify that because sometimes we will hear that uh, our clients, when they're kind of verbalizing it, you know, how can we work with them? They, they naturally think we're going to bring gamification into, yeah. I would say, primarily learning and development. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's metrics and success metrics and, and um, yeah, it feels, and again, to your point, how people interpret gamification and how they use it is so broad. So if I, I, I from what we would understand of gamification and the distinction between situated play design, sometimes gamification is just, I'm going to describe it as shoehorned. It's mm -hmm. just it's just pushed in there without, like you said, looking for play potential, existing areas where it would feel natural to go in. Again, but gamification can be used effectively, but that definitely, yeah. Bring gamification into, into our work. Um, so that's why I was really uh, I thought it was nice to for you to explain situated play design. Hmm. I have another question um, about the eco playbook. So within your thesis, you created a number of artifacts that help people engage in serious topics in a more playful manner. So can you now talk us through some of these artifacts so people would understand how to, you know, use them? Yeah, definitely. So um Across the research process, I co-created often with my research participants, um, three different artifacts. The first was the very preliminary research stage where I was looking to understand what these play potentials were. Uh, and so I designed this um, play pack of creative probes. So kind of activities uh, which focused on different or mundane examples of environmental action and then tried to get the participants see traces of playfulness within that. And, and those were 
yeah, five different activities across a, a range of different um, environmental actions uh, that were kind of completed uh, asynchronously and, and then fed into the, the secondary research process. And then the second process that the second artifact that came from those was my card deck of uh, play potentials. So this took the uh, findings from the play packs uh, and translated these traces of playfulness into uh, individual cards. So each one card uh, showed a kind of trace of playfulness within environmental action that already existed uh, and rephrased it into a prompt for then expanding on that and understanding how we can put that, uh, kind of embed that into our everyday lives um, in a much more kind of deeper and thorough way. And this is a tool which I used in the latter research stages in the workshop. So these kind of built on those playful traces and then found ways to, to surface them in our everyday lives. Uh, and it's a workshop tool which basically just allowed for kind of open and silly conversations about what play might look like within environmental action. Um, yeah, and, and these are now open source um, materials with along with a workshop pack as well. Um, and then the third artifact I can go through quickly is the, is the playbook itself. So this um, catalogues the ideas and interventions and concepts and conversations that we had through those workshops and basically puts all of these outrageous ideas for playfulness in environmental action just into one space. And this includes things like interventions, policies, exhibits, changes of behavior, um, events, lots of different things uh, that would allow us to be more playful and environmentally active like simultaneously. Um, and this exists in a digital format um, as a kind of downloadable PDF. And then also it's a, a living format on Instagram that I'm trying to continue to build to. But it's basically just a catalog of these interesting ideas that maybe, yeah, hope to kind of build some conversation around that. And just to follow up on that, which artifact do you feel had the most impact and engagement? Yeah, so I think um, because my the number of research participants I engaged with on the whole in the grand scheme of things was quite small. Um, I think the uh, play potential cards themselves maybe generated the most interesting conversation within that group itself. Um, but the catalog now exists as something which is maybe the most easily accessible to people that weren't within that research process. And yeah, just presents these ideas that lots of people can engage with and, and see different versions of themselves and, and maybe kind of act as yeah, inspirational material for exploring play in environmentalism in different ways. I, I like the way when you were answering, you, you, you described uh, those artifacts as interesting, but prior to that, you said outrageous. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's the point of, of of trying to immerse people in a more playful environment a play a playful more playful way of being a more playful way of relating trying trying to move them ultimately into an abstraction you're trying to help people abstract out of the day-to-day -day. so outrageous exactly. probably people aren't thinking outrageously enough and, and that's mm -hmm. you know why we really liked those artifacts and we're going to link you know every Everything all of this into the show notes and we, yeah. we found it you know that was a, a um it's very accessible as well like, you know, this is PhD standard, I'm going to say. It's really, really <laughs> um, and if you could, you know, wave a magic wand, who should use your playbook? And, you know, how do you think it will help them? In an ideal world, like this playbook is now being used by who? And how do you think it'll help? Yeah, so the playbook itself, I think, is really for anyone. Um, but it came from a place of uh, my own personal eco-anxiety. And, and so I think I hope 
I hope at least it can at least um, relate, uh, yeah, find a kind of connection to people that are also um, dealing with similar things there um, and might just be a window for finding a little kind of glimpse of hopefulness and, and playfulness within that otherwise really distressing space and the narratives in the media and, and not kind of creating that playful antidote. And so I think maybe this could be um, that in a way. And because it's open to everybody and I want to continue building on it, I also want it to be like this kind of collaborative resource that um, grows and changes over time, you know, even out of my control, I don't mind. I just, it would be nice to see how other people relate to that and find playfulness um, in their engagement with environmental issues. And then I think the, workshop pack and the um, playful potential cards themselves I think they're definitely uh, can be used within a design or creative practice context so to stimulate interesting ideation around environmental action mostly I just kind of hope that they can be used as a different lens to environmental action to again just like rebalance this overwhelming narrative uh, and one that become one that centers and cares for our well-being within these difficult topics and, and kind of gives people a space to explore that. Mm -hmm. Well, like I can say, like the team at Hamite, we're certainly going to use, yeah. uh, integrate your 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 pack into our work. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to like, you know, collaborating with you and 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 uh, trying to bring it to more areas because it's important work. And and we just love the way you've you've framed it in a, in a playful manner. So mm -hmm. I would say just, just well done. Fantastic. We have a mural, which you, we send people our questions and, and yeah. some people, yeah, it's, it's okay. How did you find actually getting through the mural with the questions? Yeah, it was great. I was, uh, I'm a visual thinker, so it was really perfect for me. We're, we were hoping. And, and there is a section um, uh, where we'll either post people Lego or we'll get you to um, complete a Mad Lib. And you create, create, completed the Mad Lib. So we're going to, we haven't seen so we're going to go in and I'm going to share my screen. It's the first time we were, we're doing this, share screen. So I might go, well, let's see. So just to, again, this is the first time um, people, are, you've opted for this. Mm -hmm. um, just to show people at home, mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, we've given a lot of little Lego characters and a variety of different Mad Libs. And we have some examples here ourselves. And you chose two Mad Libs and two characters. So. Will you, you can read it out and talk us through your choice as well. So you take it away. Yeah, um, maybe I can read it out first and then explain yeah. the, the um, characters that I picked afterwards. So I hope my readers take away from my research that play as adults doesn't have to just be a means to an end or a way of innovating something new because there is so much value in just the act of play and the attitude of playfulness for our relationships, for our resilience, for well-being, and of course, for fun. Um, and I chose the little robot because, um, I don't know, I, I, he, he, she actually, um, she looks like innovation to me and, and this kind of focus on creating new stuff and uh, new processes, new technologies. And a lot of the time, maybe that's what um, playfulness within the work context is, is framed around. And I think it's so much more than that. It's more about these, these two people over here who are kind of, I don't know what they're doing, but they're, <laughs> they're having fun together they seem to have a good relationship um creating something yeah there's just so much more kind of holistic value in play that doesn't just have to be really kind of solution driven yeah and and again yeah that, that's lovely to hear it i mean it has a, a secondary benefit which which we think is not 
is not acknowledged enough in, in that you're building social bonds. And, and that is uh, a core element if you, because our, our view of, of play is always through an ancestral lens as in like, why do we still continue to do this thing? Like it, it points towards an ancestral wisdom we would describe um, mm -hmm. of play in that you're playfully interacting with your environment, which is kind of like your, your robot, you know, innovation. But as a secondary, you're playfully engaging with others. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and in doing so, you're, you're consolidating and building social bonds. Mm -hmm. So it's lovely to, for you to, to call that yeah. out because it is important. Yeah, definitely. Second Mad Lib, you take it away. Yes. So um, I changed, I can't remember what I, this originally was, but I changed the second word to hope. But um, I hope my work helps people to reconnect with what fun, what play and joy means to me, maybe um, on a more childlike level, but also in our changing and evolving definitions of play and, and what we enjoy um, engaging with. And then I just picked Yoda because uh, he's a force and theme of force felt felt um, accurate and, and relevant. So yeah, finding a force of hopefulness, I think is really important. And, and that can really help to lead back to then that creative ideation and the spaces for innovation and, and you know, more kind of practical led work. But that hopefulness itself is, is really, really important um, in the space of eco-social change and sustainability. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'm gonna go stop share, boom, we're back. They were great. Yeah, you're Thanks. the you're the first. <laughs> yeah, definitely the first. Hopefully, we get a couple more. Mm. Um, and I think that's it. I think we've asked you enough questions. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? Was it, it was okay? great. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Thank you so you're, much for having you're, me. It's... You're a pro, Savannah. You're a pro. <laughs> Honestly, our viewers will you know get so much out of this, and also I think it shows you know how much can be learned as well on that tough journey mm -hmm. doing a thesis you know, we're doing a PhD and, you know, you have basically gotten so much from that, which is fantastic as well. And, you know, you're basically lighting the torch, you're continuing with your work, which is wonderful. I, I would say your thesis made me reflect on mm -hmm. my thesis and my thesis was, ju was just words. I'm going to say no images and mm -hmm. zero play. It was a very much a serious endeavor. Yeah. yeah, it was a very much a manuscript. And I, I, I felt kind of, I don't know, cheated. Savannah, mm. <laughs> I could have had a more playful interaction during that time. And uh, so that's why we were, we were so impressed. Yeah. And, and look, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. We really appreciate yeah, you taking your fantastic. time. Savannah, will you tell us one thing? Mm -hmm. said this before we go. What's the name of your doggy? And why are they in pajamas? Her, her name is Uma. Um, she She's in pajamas because um, she had a haircut last week. And basically it's a bit itchy and so she's been itching herself uh, yeah. to the point where she's made herself poorly so now she's in pajamas to stop her itching herself but um she's yeah. fine she'll be okay in a couple of days she she's very full recovery yes she's very dramatic so yeah she'll be all right okay savannah thank you so <laughs> thank much you so really, much appreciate really appreciate it yeah thank you so much for having me great day thank you bye bye, bye.